be in Luke chapter 4 today, Luke chapter 4. This is the passage where Jesus is being tempted by Satan. We're going to look at the second temptation uh, today. We're going to look at the thought of overcoming through worship, specifically overcoming temptation, uh, but overcoming through worship. And the idea of um, every day Satan is attacking, every day Satan is working, um, and as he does so, we seek to overcome the temptation, to have victory, to, to win the battle. And there are a couple of different things throughout Scripture we can learn as far as how to do that. So much of it starts with um, the simple things, doing the basics, uh, having that solid foundation to stand on. And that's included in this passage and in this thoughts, uh, the thoughts that we have today, overcoming through worship. So again, we're picking up at the second temptation that Satan is uh, giving to Jesus. In verse number five, the Bible says, And the devil, taking him up into a high mountain, uh, showed unto him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said unto him, All this power will I give thee, and the glory of them, for that is delivered unto me, and to whomsoever I will I give it. If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him alone, excuse me, and him only, shalt thou serve. We see in this passage again Christ overcoming temptation three different times, and each of them a great example to us on how we can do similarly. But this morning, I'd like us to look at really two thoughts here in this passage about overcoming through worship. Lord, I pray for your help this morning as we are all tempted. But God, you've told us that we are not tempted above that which ye have been tempted or above which you've given us the power to overcome. So Lord, I pray today as we look at the, the greatest example we possibly could ever have, Jesus Christ, and how he overcame, how you overcame temptation. Lord, I pray that you would help us in our lives to add these tools, to add these lessons to our lives so that we too can overcome the temptations that are hurled at us every day. And Lord, I pray for your help as I present this passage that I would do it clearly and correctly. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. We see here in this passage, again, Christ being tempted. And so first of all, what I want us to look at this morning is the temptation. It's a temptation that you and I go through as well. And it's a temptation that I think in America is more and more prevalent than it ever has been for Christians. And it will get more and more so. The temptation is the offering of the kingdom without the cross. The reward without the work. We see it here in verse number 5 through verse number 7 where Satan tells him, he shows him all the kingdoms. And he says to, to Christ, he says, All power will I give thee. Which is interesting, isn't it? should remind us 
the, the fact that Satan is powerful. Satan was offering him something. It was not uh, necessarily a lie in this case. Satan was offering uh, a power over which he had. Now, granted, he doesn't have any power that Christ doesn't have. <laughs> but uh, still, nonetheless, he's offering here the power over these kingdoms, a throne to sit on. And he says, if you'll worship me, all of it will be yours. Christ here on earth, leading up to the death on the cross, uh, which, which we'll look at this in just a second, but the death on the cross, eventually to sit on the throne. But the cross had to happen first, and Satan was saying, I will give you all the power that I have over these kingdoms, over this world. I'll give it to you if you will simply worship me. The kingdom without the cross, the reward without the work, the joy without the suffering. That's what he's offering. You and I are under similar temptations. We, we, we get offered these things uh, where Satan says, you can have this and you don't even have to do this. You don't have to go to church. You don't have to read your Bible. You don't have to live a godly lifestyle. I can give you joy. I can give you satisfaction. I can give you pleasure. I can give you money. I can give you position. I can give you title. You don't have to do any of those things for God. The reward without the work. The result is, <clears throat> as the, according to the Bible, eternal destruction, <laughs> death, darkness, Maybe temporary satisfaction, but not eternal. That's what Satan offers. God offers eternal satisfaction, eternal joy, eternal happiness. But Satan tempts us with these things of the world. I can give you joy without suffering. God says, if you follow me, you're going to suffer. <laughs> Satan's smart. Not smart enough to follow God, but... Smart nonetheless. And Satan says, God's telling you that if you follow him, it's going to be hard. Satan says, if you follow me, it's going to be easy. The reality is, is there are things about following Satan that are easy. But it leads to hardship every single time without relief. God says, follow me and, and you will face tribulation. You live in the world. In the world, there's trials, there's tribulations. It's going to happen, he says, but I will give you the power to overcome. And I'll be with you through the trial and through the overcoming. Luke 9, 23 says, if any man will come after me, Christ speaking, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Work, suffering, denial, sacrifice. But God says the obedience will be worth it. But Satan's going to try, and he's going to fight, and he's going to poke, and he's going to prod, and he's going to tempt and say, follow me. If you'll just follow me, I can give you happiness. If you just follow me, I can give you money. If you just follow me, I can give you satisfaction. If you just follow me, I can give you pleasure. 
And I'm not saying that it won't happen. What I'm saying is it'll end poorly. And he comes to Christ in this situation with that same temptation. I will give you these things and you won't have to go through dying on the cross. Not just the death on the cross, but the leading up to it. The anguish, the pain, the suffering, emotional and physical. The watching of one who he invested in, who he gave uh, uh, for, who he spent time with, re reject him, sell him. Christ loved Judas. And even though Christ knew what Judas was going to do and what Judas did, it didn't hurt Christ any less. That's emotional. But then you go through the beatings, slapping, the spitting, the humiliation, the thorns in the head, the nails through the hands and feet, this great suffering that was happening. And you remember Christ in the garden praying tears of blood It was going to hurt. And Satan said, you don't have to do any of that. You'll just worship me. I can give you everything. Everything that I have. Every, every ounce of power that I have, it can be yours. But Christ wasn't on the earth for power. John, <coughs> excuse me, John 3.17 says, For God sent not His Son into the world to condemn the world, that the world through him might be saved. Christ didn't come for the reward. He came for the work. He didn't come for the joy. He came for the suffering. He came for a purpose, and the purpose was to give his life so that wicked, sinful, failing creatures could be saved. It's interesting because what Satan offers us in the similar temptation, what we go through for Christ is not even an ounce of what Christ went through for us. The end result for Christ in, in his earthly time was going to be a lot of suffering. For us, it is minimal. Sure, we're going to have some hardships. Sure, we're going to uh, you know, go through some criticism and some uh, mean things said toward us or done toward us. But the likelihood of us being physically beaten and killed for our faith, for following Christ, is very, very slim. And yet Christ said... I'm not going to be tempted by this. I'm not going to lose to this temptation. And we don't have to either. But the temptation is there. So how do we overcome it? And that's where we see point number two, the response to the temptation. Response to the temptation. Number one, underneath the response here, we see uh, that no roots were allowed. When Christ was tempted by Satan, he didn't give time for the temptation to take root, to grab hold of, to, uh, to establish itself in any way. 
Satan says, If thou therefore wilt worship me, all shall be thine. And verse 8 says, And Jesus answered and said unto him, Get thee behind me, Satan. Get out of sight. You have to know who's tempting you. It's not God. God doesn't do that. It's Satan. Satan is powerful. We already talked about that. Would you turn with me to 2 Corinthians chapter 10? We'll come back to Luke 4, but 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is a good passage, some things that can show us some good things here. Look with me in verse number 3. We'll read a couple verses. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war after the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or, or physical, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations and every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God, and bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. We see here the, the idea of recognizing the war that we're in, the temptation that we're in. Uh, it, it's, not, it's not a flesh against flesh. I'm not battling the government spiritually. I'm battling Satan. He may use the government, but it's not who I'm battling. I'm battling Satan. I'm not battling my co-workers. I'm battling Satan. So you've got to understand who is tempting you. But then here, uh, just great biblical advice. It says there in verse number 5, uh, we're talking about temptation and, and attack, being attacked. Uh, casting down imaginations. Imaginations here is the same idea of conclusions. Casting down imaginations. And every high thing that exalteth itself against the knowledge of God. And bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. Thoughts lead to desires. Desires lead to actions. Actions lead to habits. Habits lead to character. And character leads to destiny. It starts with the mind. And what I've seen, just as an easy example, unfaithfulness in marriage, it doesn't start with an action. It starts with a thought. And that thought leads to desires, and those desires lead to actions. Those actions will lead to a habit. That habit will ultimately be the character, which then ultimately turns into your destiny. The thought. And Christ here says, uh, God says to us through inspiration in 2 Corinthians, casting down the imaginations, bringing into captivity every thought. Out of thoughts, desires, actions, habits, character, and destiny, what's the easiest one to capture? His thoughts. Pastor Jim Shetler said, the Christian life is one thought by thought, not day by day. Every second of the day, whether you know it or not, you're under attack. When we talk about living day by day, it really comes down to thought by thought. 
And if we don't capture the thoughts, as soon as they enter into our mind, they will eventually turn into desires, which will eventually transition into action. Psychology says there's a four-second rule. If you allow a thought to stay in your mind for more than four seconds, it grabs root. So when God says to bring into captivity every thought, it's as soon as it comes into the mind, get it out. As soon as it comes into the mind, throw it away. As soon as the temptation comes, get thee behind me, Satan. Can't allow the root to take hold. That's the first part of responding to temptation. Can't let it, can't let it sit there. Can't let it fester. Can't let it simmer. It's got to be gone. The second part of the response is you got to know your Bible. He says here, Christ, in responding to Satan, he says, get thee behind me, Satan, back in Luke chapter 4. He says, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. You got to know your Bible. Christ here quotes his word, quotes the Bible, in response to the temptations that Satan throws at him. He starts by not letting anything take root, and he follows it immediately with Scripture. And we've talked about this before, but if you have, more than likely, you have a temptation that is pretty common to you that you receive, that Satan throws at you. He knows it's a weakness. And so he attacks the weakness. So it's something that you consistently deal with, whether it's on a daily basis, a weekly basis, a monthly basis, whatever it is. It's a temptation that you're dealt with on a regular basis. There is scripture to help you. Find it. Memorize it. So that when the temptation comes, you say, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. And you quote your scripture to yourself. God said, I cannot do that. God said, whatever it may be, think on these things and not those things. God said, whatever it is, there is scripture for it. You got to know it. The Christian life it is so much more than what American Christianity is. God means so much more for us in our Christian walk with Him than what we on average give. But something that we are told and something that we know is that we are under constant attack from Satan. What are we going to do about it? Christ responded with, Get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written. He said, I'm not going to allow this to take root. And here's what God's word says. And here is what God's word says. He says, thou shalt worship the Lord thy God and him only shalt thou serve. The response to temptation, number one, is don't, don't allow the root to take hold. Number two, it's to know the Bible. And number three, it's always to worship the right God. And honestly, worshiping the right God is the foundation. It is the starting point for our victory. 
What do you worship in your life? I would assume that no one here bows down to idols. Could be wrong, but I would assume. It's not something that's commonly done in America, although it is done by some. So sometimes when we think about worship, we confuse it with what we read about in the Old Testament. The actions that we read about in the Old Testament. But what we overlook is what Christ spends the whole Sermon on the Mount talking about is the heart. God doesn't want us to bow down to an image of God. I'm not supposed to make an image of God. If you have a shrine in your home with a picture of what supposedly is what Jesus looked like, which more than likely is not even close to what Jesus looked like, but nonetheless, you have a picture of Jesus in your house and you, and you go and you worship it, God says that's a sin, you shouldn't do it. If you have a cross that you worship, God says you shouldn't do it. Worship is a matter of the heart. And what we worship is a result of that. We, we would never, I, I've never met someone who would say, well, I worship money. Yet their actions would say that they do. I've never met someone who says, I worship my job but their actions would say that they do. I've never met someone who says, I worship my spouse. But their, uh, their actions would say that they do. I've never met someone who says, well, I worship entertainment, but their actions would say that they do. What do you worship? The Bible tells us there's only one, if I can use the word thing, person, that we should worship. And it's God Almighty. The worship, the word worship that's used here in Luke is the, the, the idea of a dog licking his master's hand. Uh, the way that a, the, a loyal dog would stay near and close and desire and um, annoyingly all over his master. There are different words used for worship in, in Scripture, but this, this one here is, is, is that fawning over. What do you worship? Here Christ says, there's only one that should be worshipped, the Lord thy God, Him alone, Him only, shalt thou serve. When Satan comes and he tempts us with the reward without the work, as long as we will serve him. When he offers us joy without suffering, as long as we'll serve him, immediately our hearts say who we worship. Satan will tell you there's an easier way to do this life. And for a moment, it may be easier. But I promise, it doesn't end well. And Christians are daily met with this attack of Satan, saying you don't have to follow God. You don't have to live a clean life. You don't have to live a godly life. You don't have to live a surrendered life. You don't have to live a sacrificial life. 
I can give you joy. I can give you rewards. I can give you pleasure if you'll just serve me. And on a daily basis, Christians all around the world say, yes, Satan. I will. Why? Because they allow the root to take hold. Because they don't know their Bible. Because they weren't worshiping God. If you waver in your worship, temptation has the advantage. Again, it's, it's, it's the starting point. For if my heart is in constant worship of God, there is no avenue for temptation to sneak in. Because my mind is focused on God, because my heart is given and focused to God. And when Satan says, if you'll just worship me, if you'll just follow me, if you'll just serve me, we say, no, I can't. I'm already worshiping God. I'm already following God. I'm already serving God. He is the one that I worship and Him alone. You cannot serve God and mammon. What is mammon? Anything. False gods, idols, religious things, worldly things, money, satisfaction, people, position, job, whatever it is. You can't serve both. You've got to pick one. One or the other. And so if I am serving God, if, my, if I am worshiping God, if my heart is given to God, if I am fawning over God, the temptation that comes and says, if you'll follow me, my immediate response is, no, I can't. I'm following God. And Jesus Christ, who is God in the flesh, submitted, came to this earth, lived a perfect life for the purpose of dying a, a heinous death because He loved me and because He loved you. Christ told Satan, the Bible says, God's Word says, it is written to only worship God. Him alone. You can't serve God and mammon. If you want to overcome the temptations that are attacking you, you worship God and God alone. When you're tempted to worship finances, get thee behind me, Satan, for it is written, the love of money is the root of all evil. Whatever your temptation is, find the scripture that helps you. Put it in your heart, put it in your mind, meditate on it, know it. And when the attack comes, just be worshiping God. Don't let it take root. Don't let it take hold. You can quote scripture to Satan, but to be honest with you, the Scripture helps you more than anything else. It reminds you of what God says. It reminds you of what you're supposed to do. 
So take those thoughts and get rid of them. And if they've already developed into desires, ask God for forgiveness. Let Him cleanse you from all unrighteousness and start fresh. And when the thought comes back, you get rid of it. If your desires have already turned into actions, ask God for forgiveness and anyone else that you've wronged. And let God cleanse you from all unrighteousness. And then when the thought comes back, get rid of it. So it won't be long where your actions will be habits and your habits will become your character and your character will ultimately be what you're known by, your legacy. So let's grab those thoughts. Let's get them behind us. Let's know our Bibles. Let's make sure that we're worshiping God and God alone. And friend, that's a decision that you have to make. No one else can make it for you. Spouses are such a wonderful gift of God and they can tell you, you need to change. Friends are such a wonderful gift from God and they can tell you, you need to change. But it's a decision you have to make because the temptation's at you. Satan's going to come after you. He's going to come after your friend and your spouse and everybody else also, but, but you need to take care of yourself in this situation. Don't allow the roots to grab hold. Know God's word. Most importantly, worship God with all your heart. And if you do, as Christ gave us the example, you'll overcome the temptation that Satan is going to hurl at you. So much we can go into about that because God tells us put on the whole armor of God. So we're under attack. And if you go back and study the whole armor of God, we're not going to do it this morning, but if you did, you'll understand it's, it really comes back to worshiping God and taking what He gives you as protection for the attacks of Satan. But it's got to start with a submissive, a fawning over God worshiping of God and Him only. Sounds simple, doesn't it? In some ways it is. But it's also hard at the same time. Your strength cannot overcome Satan's attacks. Your wit cannot overcome Satan's attacks. But God can. So worship Him. Serve Him. Him only. And let's see those temptations become victories. God, I pray for your help this morning. As I know, as you've told us, we're all under attack. We might have different things that tempt us. We, not, we may not be battling with the same temptations from person to person, but God, we are all battling temptation. And God, I pray that you'd help us to remember who it is we're battling. Sometimes we get so caught up on fleshly things that we think that's who's our enemy, but the re reminder is Satan is our enemy. And Lord, knowing that, would you help us then as we're tempted? God, I pray that you'd help us to take uh, every thought into captivity. We would not allow those thoughts to take root in our life. And God, if we've already done so, and, and if... If now we have actions or desires or habits, God, would you help us to, to seek you for forgiveness and, Lord, seek you for help moving forward that we can start fresh and, and get these thoughts into captivity and, Lord, 
have victory over these temptations. And God, I pray that we would know our Bibles. What a precious gift that you've given us, your word to guide and to lead us through this life. And God, I pray that you would help us as we learn and study and seek for verses to help specifically in the battles that we, we come across every day. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to worship you and you alone. That God, we would not be enamored by this world, but that we would truly be enamored by you. For you are greater than anything this world can offer. So God, turn our hearts to you and help us to worship you. I pray all this in Jesus' name. With our heads bowed and our eyes closed, Jared, I'm going to ask you to stop that recording, please.